This is Jennifer Tribe of Avic Networks. I'm the host of Avic's podcast, Frankly MSP, where we talk about how to boost productivity, efficiency, and profitability in your service provider business. But today, Avic's excited to be part of Tub Talk, and we have a special offer for you later in the show. Stay tuned. You're listening to Tub Talk, the podcast for IT business owners with our featured conversation with Richard Tubb and Norb Duberlein to discuss NetSpan. My name is Jeff Nicholson, and this podcast is all about helping you grow your IT business. In this episode, Richard talks with Norb Duberlein from NetSpan, a specialist firm based in Wisconsin, which supports IT in government, principalities, and police departments. You'll hear about his experience working in this niche, the particular requirements for his staff, and the challenges of finding the right tools for the company. This episode was recorded in person between Richard and Norb at the CEBIT conference in Hanover, Germany. And now, without further ado, here's Richard talking with Norb. Hi everyone, Richard Tubb, and I'm joined here today by Norb Doberlein of Netsbahn. How are you doing, Norb? Good, how are you? I'm very well. We are here in Hanover, Germany uh, for the CBITS conference, one of the world's biggest electronic shows. What brings you here, Norb? Food. <laughs> Including one meter currywurst yes. that we consumed last night. At, and uh, XXXL schnitzels. <laughs> And very good it was as well. Apart from the food, uh, is there anything you've uh, you've come to see here at CBIT? See new technologies, new um, cyber awareness for security. Yeah. yeah. So before we get too far ahead, I guess I should ask a little bit about, uh, for the benefit of our listeners here, a little bit about NetBarns. Um, I was going to say an MSP based out, based, based out of Wisconsin. You don't like the term MSP and you wouldn't count yourself as an MSP. Tell, tell us more about NetBarn and who you are. We're an influencer in dictatorship. Elaborate. We don't feel the customer's always right. We take a situation and clean it up and put structure to it. And we deal only with local government and public safety. So they have structure that they have to follow to begin with. We just enforce it. We're the bouncers. So you provide IT support, consultancy, everything uh, that, that goes along the area to local governments, law enforcement within the Wisconsin area. Just within Wisconsin or further afield? Presently just in Wisconsin. Okay. So perhaps we'll talk a little bit uh, uh, more about that and how you see the rest of the uh, the wider IT industry. But how long have you been in the industry as a whole now? 30 years. 30 years, and yet you only look, you know, in your late 20s anyway. Um, 30 years. Talk us through the history of where you've come from, how you started out, uh, and where you've ended up today with Netbond. Started out hacking into university systems because our public school was tied to the university system. So adjusting climate systems from the kitchen to 150 degrees and the women's locker room down to 30 degrees. And then getting caught and figuring out how to talk yourself out of getting in trouble for getting caught. But then started out, worked for a computer store um, cut my teeth there, went off on my own, cut my teeth a lot. 
almost to the point where sometimes you felt like dentures were better. And it's just progressed to being from hardware-based to business solution-based. It's not the technology, what's the solution you need, and you wrap the technology around it. And how many people within the NetFarm business? Nine currently. Yeah. And, and talk through, what does the, the team look like? Because I know you've got a variety of different staff who undertake different roles. Like as in race or as in... <laughs> in terms of, I guess, most MSPs, and I know you don't like to refer to as an MSP because you've got a fairly unique business model here. Most MSPs are, tend to be engineer heavy. Would you say that's the case for your business or? No, we're engineer supervisors. Our clients, um, we're um, vendor agnostic, meaning we help clients write RFPs. We help evaluate RFPs. RFPs we, being requests for? Proposals. Proposals, yeah. So our philosophy is if we're writing the RFP and we're evaluating the RFP, we cannot bid on the RFP. But um, so we take them through that process. I would say the number one position that we do is vendor management. Because in the law enforcement side, for everything from fingerprints, APHIS, to breathalyzers, there is a company that has a state contract. So we are the traffic cops for the cops uh, in regards to access to their network because they have to fall within Homeland Security guidelines. So we ensure that those guidelines are followed. And in terms of the, uh, if, if we can call it a niche that you're within, because I think you're very unique as a, again, I almost called you an MSP business, but very unique as, a, as an IT business in who you deal with. Um, who are your competitors out there? We don't really have competitors because when we're brought in, we're not brought in to replace the existing IT, whether it's in-house or to, or if they have an, an MSP already on, um, on staff or contracted out. We manage them, we supplement um, their shortcomings, if that would be. Most MSPs do not know by heart or even by index the 600 plus page CGIS requirement. CGIS, for, for the benefit of anybody unfamiliar with CGIS, what is that? Computer justice, or sorry, criminal justice information systems. It's the guidelines governed by the FBI and Homeland Security. Got it, okay. So the, uh, I'm really intrigued how you got into this, dare say, I call it in, uh, a niche in the first place, but uh, before we, we get down that road, what are some of the uh, security implications that you're seeing that, um, that means that you're the only company that serves in this space at the moment? Presumably, um, most IT companies will look at this and run a mile because it's so difficult to do what you're doing. Well, it's, we're not the only ones in this space. We're the only ones that tend to cater to cities with a population of 30,000 or below. Mm -hmm. Bigger companies that handle this niche, niche, sorry, um, it, they're going after the bigger cities, the big metropolitan areas, and the smaller cities are forgotten. They normally don't have an IT staff, or they have the one person who mistakenly raised their hand when the question was asked, do you know, who know, here knows about IT? So we supplement that. 
we, um, we have systems in place where they can escalate tickets to their provider. We put in um, systems to enhance communication. And we take from a, a situation where every IT ticket that they're putting in is a fire-based ticket. Yeah, they're always reactive. Down to 20% is fire-based, the rest are projects. Got it. And you mentioned ticket there, so did you use a PSO tool? We in-house use Autotask, mm -hmm. um, but we work with people who use ConnectWise, we work with people that use Commit CRM. We, it's, it's all over the board, mm -hmm. but we don't subcontract those people. They work with the client directly. We're not there to, we don't need to skim off the top. There's enough work out there for everybody. And again, half the time, if they're comfortable with the IT company that's in there, we supplement the IT company. We, a lot of them do not have the expertise in what the requirements are. Got it. So it's slowly beginning to dawn on me why you don't prefer to be referred to as an MSP now. Um, what you're doing sounds probably, dare I say, a lot higher level than that. Would that be fair to say? It'd be fair to say, yes. We do have our pet clients where we test out procedures, we make sure they work, and we do the full IT gambit for them. But it's not our day-to-day. -day. Mm -hmm. So we mentioned Autotask as a PSA you use, but also Commit CRM, ConnectWise, others in there. What, what other tools do you use within your business? Um, presumably secure tools to manage your uh, clients' networks. Pass. <laughs> so that's something you're not comfortable talking about purely because of the security implications? Yes. Yeah. Fair enough. We'll move on from that. That's cool. Okay. <laughs> Let's get back to the um, the genesis or you starting within uh, this niche, if we, if we can call it that again. How did this first come about? How did you first end up working with local government? When I went off on my own, a municipality was my first client. Mm. And how did, that, uh, how did that develop from there? How did you end up with more municipalities or local government clients? Um, police departments talk. Mm -hmm. They would rather say, hey, who are you using? And they get the referral basis back. We, in the course of the um, 25 years on my own, we've found that advertising doesn't really work because you could have exactly what they want, when they want it, at the right price, but unless they know how to get two more quotes so that they can present it to their council, they just throw it in the circular bin because the whole do more with less does not work when they're at their minimum. And how do you deal with that? So that is not going to be an unusual situation for some of the listeners to this podcast, traditional, more traditional MSPs who um, deal with local governments, um, um, wider government, public sector, things like that, that need to have three different quotes. Uh, uh, do, the, does the, do you, your clients come to you and say, hey, we need to find another two quotes for this. Can you help us out with it? How does that work? We're usually involved in the process to begin with. Mm -hmm. So if it's, um, if it's just strictly product-based, like a lifecycle PC, we make all of our clients have like a CDWG account. That's a US-based reseller that has government divisions. So CDW, everyone's heard it or they bid against them. So they're um, product to doorstep type. 
um, business. So we make sure that they have one of those because they can handle selling Microsoft licensing, they can handle the whole gambit. And then we ask them to have a local provider also. So those two can quote, and then third, most of them just go to Amazon and Newegg and use those sort of things. We're very fortunate that we don't have to sell hardware. We could never, we're, we're, we don't like financing. We um, never have to worry about that. And in terms of the team that you built around you, see, so said there's nine within the team now, various different disciplines. Um, I know from speaking to you before, the fairly low turnover of staff there. How does that come about? How do you find these people and how do you retain them so well? Finding people that fit into the right culture. Our culture is, it's, we're pretty loose until it's time to work. And then when it's time to work, we go in, we get the job done. But before we do anything, we always make sure um, there, and when you do cutovers or plan for cutovers, there's always that point of no return. We actually make it so we do always have a point of return. So even if it fails miserably at the 11th hour, we can go back. And it's more painstaking up front. There's a lot more planning up front, but it certainly makes the um, it makes the actual process. It's a daunting, stressful time anyways when you have to bring a police department down and you have a two-hour window to do everything because their dispatch center's down. Yeah, because with, with, with all due respect to, uh, dare I say, sort of mainstream MSPs and that, um, if a client goes offline, yeah, sure, it's going to cost them money. If the police force or police services go offline, there's a whole lot more at stake than... But they have their procedures and yeah. policies in place, and it's not just we're an M we're not an MSP, but we're not just the IT provider. We actually know their backup plans. We know that um, who is the city that does their dispatching for them. Who is their uplink on that? Because they have their processes in place. If phone lines go down, which we all know are not 100%, it automatically flips over to. Um, their uplink provider to handle their dispatch to dispatch their squad cars. Sure, they may lose their ticketing, but other than that, you know, they're still able to function. And what, uh, what would you say is the best thing about working within this, um, which sounds like a very secure and a very regulated industry? The process to do something moves slow, but the process to stop something move slow. So that means you don't do a whole bunch of work and then at the very end, it's like, uh, yeah, we're gonna go with these people. <laughs> Which is something that people, many people who listen to this are gonna be familiar with, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a very different world. Every, if you're looking for the quick buck, you are not going to do it. You need to be in for the long haul. It took five to seven years to cultivate how the processes are. We still go to city council meetings of cities that are not our clients yet, just to see what their pain points are, to see how, what their constituents want, and just see if it's a fit or not. And that's one of the reasons why I went on my own is I have to have the ability to fire a client. And what, what about the biggest um, problem, biggest challenge that you find working in this industry? The IT industry or the niche? In, in your niche, yeah. Finding people that fit our culture. How would you describe your culture? 
fucked up and weird. <laughs> Elaborate on that. Why fucked up and weird? Because you have to basically, you control things you can control and you ride the wave on the rest and you can't freak out when you're riding the wave. And the people that you, have you brought any people on board who can't get their head around that, who do freak out? Yeah, they don't last long. Yeah. But we're also in a, um, we, we have our priorities. The fir- it, everyone that I've talked to that know me is, I'm lazy. And that, for some people, is their number one issue. So that's when you're lazy, what do you do? You automate. My step above lazy is calm. So yes, we could automate some high level systems, but, and as happened to a friend, if one little thing goes wrong and you're not sitting there, it's all automated, you'll get alarms, but then it's too late when you get the alarm. If you're actually watching it and maintaining, you know, server updates for that matter. When the systems reboot, if they're not coming back online, you find out after the three to five minutes because your polling doesn't, you know, get, you have that three to five minute window. If you have 30 servers or images that reboot at that same time, you don't see what's happening. But if you're there actively monitoring it and our clients are there, are willing to pay for us to actively monitor it, why would we not? Okay. So I'm intrigued as well. Um... You've been justifiably vague about some of the tools that you use within the business. I totally understand the reason for that. We talked a bit about Autotask. Um, I'm guessing that it's going to be more difficult for you to find tools that meet the certification or the security requirements that your clients demand. How do you go about assessing tools um, for, for use with your clients? They need to follow CGIS requirements and they need to be secure because the way we write, when we write tickets or they, they escalate tickets, there's actually information in there that needs to be kept confidential, which on the flip side is 99% of all information in a municipality is open records. So as a contractor, they, municipalities appreciate that disconnect a little bit because that's not in their normal scope for open records. So when we look at that, it's more to protect the client from frivolous open records requests. But on the flip side, we still have to maintain law enforcement confidentiality. So that means um, on the very top of it, you need to be in a CGIS compliant data center, which is the th- three easy ones, at least for me, is Amazon's FedRAMP, I believe, Azure, or Azure, however you want to pronounce it. You being European. <laughs> hey, hey we're, I'm from Wisconsin. We still order Fagitis and Quesadillas, so, you know. Um, And there is a third party that I just went to that is a CGIS compliant data center that's owned by seven law enforcement officers that are still on the job. So that need is out there. And and pretty soon, um, any, any MSP or VAR that would like to deal with municipalities 
all that data will need to be in a CGIS compliant data center, meaning RMM tools, meaning um, sync services like Anchor to drop a to drop a name. Yeah. Um, File, you know, file sync utilities, offsite backups, all that sort of the BDR units. See, that's the trouble for me going to events like um, that are in the US. 90% of the tools that are in the vendor pavilion, I can't use. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you specifically, we're here at Seabit. Um, you said you came for the food. It's a long way to go for um, a schnitzel, however good they are. So you, what have you spotted here today uh, and the last couple of days at CBIT? And have you found any frustrations where companies just don't understand the security requirements that you've got? No, because there are pavilions here that is strictly for the public sector. Mm -hmm. And we look at different ways how they attack security requirements. Because even though they're different security requirements, they're still pretty much the same requirements. We cannot use their tools as of yet, because they're going through, they're certified in Europe, but they're not certified in the United States. So actually a few companies that we're interested in, we ask them if they're willing to go through the approval process to be approved uh, for use in the United States and um, in the federal system. So we actually start the ball rolling on that, help them get some assistance, and then they take the process through there. Hmm. So rewinding a bit, you talked a little bit about how you got into um, this niche of local government law enforcement. You know, you've got a background in it as an individual. Um, lots of MSPs, IT companies, solution providers that I speak to, whenever we talk about public sector work, working with local government, working with any type of government, they pull a face and they run away from it. They just say, we're too small, it's not worth our time and effort getting into it. What would you say to anybody, say from the UK or Europe, who is uh, considering looking at the public sector side of things? Why, why would it be a good fit for them? Receivables. Private sector, average days for to pay were around 180. With municipalities, we're lucky enough that it's seven to 10 days. Wow. On average, um, it could be 14 days if you do your contract right when you do it. And our contract is actually a handshake. They can leave at within 30 days notice. Because if, they, if we need a contract to lock someone in, we're obviously not doing something right. So, um, but they just have to have patience because it'll pay off. It's, it's, you do not have your ups and downs because with your recurring revenue and just other services you provide, it's a steady check. And I don't know about elsewhere, but in Wisconsin, municipalities by law have to pay their bills. Yeah. So you may take a little less upfront, but you're, you're in for the long haul. You're not in for the quick money and then you're leaving. Yeah, so it sounds like a slower, Build up or a slower run up to it, but it once you get going, there's momentum that just keeps you keeps you going. And it is. And as the IT industry becomes more commoditized, you have to keep changing what you do and keep refining your niche. We actually have refined it in major terms seven times now in the 26 years that Netspawn has been around. What's been the most surprising change you've seen in the last 26 years in your time within the IT industry as a whole? 
the lack of adoption by vendors to see the public sector as a viable option. Elaborate on that, but why does that surprise you so much? Because they're going after the fast money to build up their own. They're using MSPs to sell their product instead of actually having dedicated sales teams. Got it. You know, and what's the explosion of the explosion rate of just BDR units? Every you know, it's the industry commoditized itself by oh, we have a box too. Me too. Me too. Every, the IT industry is a me too. So it's vendors are going where they see the money and it's easier to see the money in bringing on more MSPs. You know, I've heard channel managers say it's a license to print money or you're leaving money on the table. You have to be able to recognize you're leaving problems on the table too that you're walking away from. And that might be the calm portion of what I always want. But, you know, we've, I've been through the whole, you're on call 24 hours a day, all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's, it's a lifestyle. If you want to do that, go for it. I'm lazy. <laughs> well, I know that's not the case, Nob, having known you for a few years within the industry, but, but I do distinctly get the impression that you're, dare I say, fairly chilled out about it. You've got a good work-life balance. Um, There's no such thing as a work-life balance. Okay, ex explain that. Why'd you say that? Because my mind is always working. Mm. If it's a balance, if you divide up um, 10 minutes on this, 10 minutes on this, oh, 10 minutes to eat. And yes, I'd like to eat every 10 minutes, but it's the whole work-life balance is a crock of shit. It really is. You have to find out what you love to do and then do it. So if you're not happy working for someone, go off on your own. Just don't sit there and bitch about it. Okay. And not every, and this whole, if I did it, you can do it. Crock of shit. It really is. I mean, the thing that I see, this industry is saturated by everyone who sees IT as an easy thing to do. We actually do so many cleanups for that other vendors have half-assed. And then we turn it over to another vendor because we don't want to do it. But it gets the client up and running and then we can put procedures in place, turn it into a dictatorship, and then we have another country do the work for us. Sorry, that's just another IT company. <laughs> so what does a typical day look like for you as CEO of Netsbomb? There isn't one. No? No. Is there any commonality? Is there, is there any routines or things that you do each and every day? No, because someone calls in sick, someone else is there, someone surprises you with a project, and it doesn't have to, it's not like it's hyperactive, it's just ADD. The entire, when you deal with, AT, with IT, it's all ADD. You can think that you have it under control, and you can to an extent, but it's never going to be the same thing every day. You know, if it is, how boring would that be? <laughs> so you get a kick out of it. You get a kick out of the um, the change. The un I was going to say unreliability, but the, uh, the dynamic of it not knowing what's going to happen next. No, it's like, yes, it's the hardest part with IT is you, half the time you don't see the end result. 
I think that's why other IT people that I know that actually have lawns love mowing the lawn because you can see something structured and it's cleaned up, you know, unless you mow it half-ass. But um, I don't know how to describe it. You know, most very good diagnostic people, they have methodologies that are unlike other people, you know, and the problem with this industry, and going back to the other topic, why do I like um, the, um, the structure of municipalities and government is because there is that structure. If you have a solution, someone comes to you with a problem, you have the end result. You have to reverse engineer it so you know exactly what you're going to do. You put 10 IT professionals in a room, you're going to get 10 different variants of how to solve that problem. And all 10 are probably correct, technically, but what is the best way to do it for the client? You know, are you doing it to ease the pain point of the client? Are you doing it to take as much money as you can from the client? You know, are you there for the long haul? Are you just in and out, never want to see them again? There's different motivations for how you want to do things. Let's talk about consistency for a minute. So we've talked about what, um, what surprised you over the last 25 plus years. What stayed the same over the last 25 plus years? What, is, what was true 25 years ago that is still true for you in the IT industry today? Private sector clients don't pay their bills on time. <laughs> and so that's been a, a motivating factor in you moving into the, the public sector. Yes, it actually has. That's yeah. the number one. And there's structure. And again, most people who are entrepreneurs and moving around type A personalities I, they have ADD syndrome. They're all over the place. So when they're all over the place, they need everything around them to be structured because you're counting on something to be there at the time you need to work at it. And if that throws you off, that normally throws other people off on a on a day-to-day -day basis. So knowing that that happens, I just adjust how we do our processes and I actually removed myself from most of the day-to-day -day processes. Well, that was going to be my next question. How do you prioritize what you do on a day-to-day -day basis if it's, on one hand, it's very consistent that you, you know what the municipalities uh, require. On the other hand, the type of issues that come up every day are going to be um, different and you've got to react to it dynamically. How do you help prioritize what you're needed for and how if I could ask a follow-up question, do you resist the urge to jump in and try and tackle everything yourself as opposed to delegating to your team? I'll answer the second question first. Sure. I'm lazy, so if I don't have to do it, I'm delegating it. <laughs> and you've got that down to a fine art now? Art. It's not fine. <laughs> but it's, it's based on personnel, needs, and priorities. And we will always work extra than hiring another person for the short term. I never ever want to tell an employee, yeah, the project's over, we don't need you anymore. That's not how we do it. We will rather, you know, overtime is a great way to add people. And the industry is always do more with less, do more with less. But honestly, the people are what make your business. It's never the commodity, it's the people behind the commodity. I've said that about vendors and that's the part of vendors that have disappointed me are the people behind the commodity. Because unless you have that support system in place, you know, and I'll be very honest, 
We wouldn't have a business without the vendors. So we're at CBIT here, um, we've taken ourselves off to the press room because quite honestly, it's the quietest place in the whole of uh, uh, the uh, CBIT conference here. How many halls is there just out of, this is my first time at CBIT I should say. Uh, you've been here a few times Noel, but how many halls is there here? Nine active this year. It's absolutely monstrous. So we'll talk about CBIT very, very um, uh, briefly in a minute. But just to, to close the loop on what we were talking about um, um, before, which was, uh, prioritizing mm -hmm. uh, how you deal with the day-to-day. -day. Is there any methodologies, is there any techniques that you use to make sure you don't get overwhelmed with um, all the different things that are thrown at you? When it, when it comes to IT issues, they come to me last. We have an escalation policy, or if um, someone can't get a hold of the person they need to, I may step in, but our number one thing is documentation. We, whoever starts they spend two weeks learning to document properly. We try, to, we try as best as we can to have a standard. It may not be the standard or a standard, but it's a standard that works for us. And we just follow that nomenclature so we all know where to find information on a client. So it's, it's always a work in progress. It's always fine tuning. It's always, um, we're looking for the, easy, the path of least resistance. Like for uh, our engineers, for putting time entries in, I always want someone to review time entries. Well, if you're just looking at all the time entries, pretty soon, because they're so boring, you're gonna go, oh yeah, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. So we actually Slack. Um, our engineers, we have a channel set up and they Slack, because they're all millennials and use it anyways, um, time entries to our operations supervisor, and then she reads them in, uh, excuse me, enters them in, and but she's also correcting any mistakes that are in there so that it's understandable to the client. So it also is a lot faster because mobile clients for PSAs are not the best. So they can just put the ticket name, the time, or a if it's a charge, and any notes or anything that's there, they are read. If so, if there's still a question, because for us, um, a ticket entry, whether it's a charge or a time entry, has to have one of two things, either a conclusion and it's finished, or a next step that to take in resolving the issue. Understood. Yeah, so it's just two things on a ticket and then workflow rules take it over. And so I'm intrigued that you use Slack. Not many IT companies that I come across use Slack. It's fair to say that you're not like many IT companies. What do you get from using Slack internally? How does that help keep the culture of the team, keep everybody connected? Efficiency. Because if um, working on tickets, they can just do a quick Slack entry. And I know there's PSAs where you can do a time entry with an email, but you have to know a certain form and field delimiters and that sort of thing. It's just too much. I don't want my employees thinking, are they doing the right thing? They need to be able to be trained so it becomes second nature. And not everyone does it the same. Not everybody learns the same, not everybody works the same. So I guess that's where we don't cookie cutter our employees either. We cater to whatever they need. We have just the, we have, we use Slack, we use Teamwork, which is an Irish program for all of our projects. And we can, and since it's billable by 
or we're, we pay by project, not by users, we bring in all the other vendors on a project. So you can have up to 100 people on a project. You're only paying for the projects. So we, um, our, my only requirement is that anything we use has to work on every platform, iOS, Android, Windows, Mac, Linux via the website, anything that we carry, it has to work. Mm -hmm. So we're on the subject of tool calls. We mentioned we we're at uh, CBIT here today. What have you seen over the last 48 hours at CBIT that's really caught your eye? You breaking at least five different items. <laughs> and you're referring to what may break in the virtual reality, the tactile uh, sense of the virtual, what was it? The um, uh, Yeah, I've broken lots of things while I've been here. <laughs> Other than that, it's just, it's just, um, it's a big squirrel fest. Yeah. Squirrel, shiny light, squirrel, shiny light. This is where you feed your inner geek coming here every year and having a look around at the, uh, the various technologies that are here. It's a good cover for just wanting to come here for food. <laughs> because, of course, we, we, we should explain, um, you're of German descent, I guess. Your family were north of Germany, you say? Yes, they both immigrated. My parents immigrated from Germany in 1963. So I'm first generation born in America, yes. Fantastic. Um, what was your favorite uh, German food? What's the food that um, we should all be looking to eat more of? Yes. <laughs> food in general. Food yes. and beer in general. <laughs> well, that seems like a good point for us to, uh, to wrap up here. No, but I really appreciate you taking time out of your day here at CBIT, mate. I know there's a lot of stuff that you could have been doing, uh, a lot of things that you could have been spending your time on rather than sitting and yakking away to me. So I do appreciate it. You're a unique MSP. Ugh. There you go, I'm just winding him up. You're a unique IT company within the business. You're a very well-known personality within the whole IT industry. Um, personally, as a friend, I'd like to say thank you for all that you've contributed to the industry over the years. And it's been my pleasure sitting down with you here today. Thanks for letting me talk and babble. I appreciate it. If anybody wants to get in touch with you to find out more, how, how best to get in touch with, with um, you and NetBarns? I don't know. I'm, a, I'm an anti-social person. That is not true. What's the NetBond's website for a start? www.netspond.com. That's N-E-T-Z-B-A-H-N.com. Go and seek them out, and they can also find you on LinkedIn, Facebook. LinkedIn, I'm on there. Yeah, that's one of the few places that you uh, make yourself available. We don't, as I told you, we don't advertise and cops don't go to LinkedIn. <laughs> so you've got no need to be there. Correct. If you want to see pictures of food, uh, schnitzels, bratwurst, currywurst, definitely go and uh, check Norb's uh, Facebook profile out. If you want to talk about local government, NetBarn, anything professional, probably LinkedIn's the best way forward. Would that be correct? Yes, it is. Fantastic. Thanks again, Norb. Really appreciate your time, mate. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Tub Talk, the podcast for IT business owners. You can find the show notes and bonus content for this interview, along with dozens of other interviews with IT business leaders over at www.tubblog.co.uk. If you enjoyed this podcast, then we'd really appreciate you rating and reviewing the show over at iTunes. Every review helps us reach new listeners and helps raise the bar for success in the IT industry. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak with you next episode. Have a great day. Hey, it's Jennifer Tribe from Avic, back to tell you about that special offer. First, what is Avic? 
Avic is network management for MSPs. Our cloud-based software gives you full visibility and control of network infrastructure, things like your client switches, routers, firewalls, and access points. Integrate it with an endpoint RMM system and you have complete control of a client's IT environment. With features like real-time network mapping and inventory, automated network monitoring that works right out of the box, and automated config backup and restore, Avic is the most efficient and profitable way for MSPs to manage network infrastructure. But don't just take my word for it. This is what Martin Hines of BCS has to say about us. He's one of our MSP partners in the UK. The biggest cost to any business is a staff, and for us, the engineering resource. So we want to make sure that for every hour we're spending supporting a client, we're getting the most out of it. All because a tool has saved us so much in terms of engineering resource that we are a more profitable organization. Want to know more? Sign up for a free demo at avic.com slash tubtalk. And when you subscribe, your first month is free. That's right, one month free on any Avic subscription if you sign up for a free demo using the link avic.com slash tubtalk. That's A-U-V as in Victor, I-K. This offer expires November 30th, 2018, so don't wait. Go to avic.com slash tubtalk today and sign up for your demo. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's gogo.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.